My next guest is going to be Paul Stankowski. And before I get to Paul, I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2, U-N-D-R.com. 2under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scone changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too. So spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's scony.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. All right, now back and making it an even dozen times with me on Next on the T is Champions Tour Pro, Paul Stankowski. Paul has been a great guest on this show, going all the way back to episode number seven on June 1st of 2014, so nearly 10 years ago now. I always look forward to get to spend time with Paul. He's a fantastic guy, and he's been a wonderful supporter of this show. It means a great deal to me. Let me remind you about Paul's background. He's from Oxnard, California, started playing golf at the age of eight. He attended the University of Texas at El Paso, where he was a three-time All-American. Paul won the Western Athletic Conference Championship in 1990. He turned pro a year later in 91, got his first pro victory at the 1996 Nike Louisiana Open. He backed that up by winning the very next week on the PGA Tour here in Atlanta at the Bell South Classic, becoming the first player in history to win on what is now the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour in back-to-back weeks. In all, Paul has seven professional victories and 31 top 10 finishes. We can now see him playing out on the Champions Tour like I just did this past weekend at the Mitsubishi Electric Classic, where I got to spend the best half hour of the year so far walking a couple of holes with him. I give Paul a lot of credit. You hear me talk about it every time he comes on the show because, like I mentioned earlier, he was on show number seven. So he agreed to come on a show he never heard of with a guy he never heard of, which is absolutely fantastic. Tells you all you need to know about Paul Stankowski, and I'm very thankful he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Paul, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, I'm doing well. I, I You know, I'm stunned. Uh, episode seven was uh, when I was on first. That was that was early. That was back when probably nobody had heard of you either, but you turned yourself not. into a rock star. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I give you a lot of credit for coming on a show that you never heard of almost now 10 years ago. Amazing stuff. And I can't thank you enough for that. <laughs> no, it's it's fun. I, I love being on your show. As, as I said, uh, that first week, um, you're the most prepared guy um, uh, on radio. And, and uh, from an interview standpoint, uh, you're the best. So 
Um, that's why uh, everybody wants to come on your show because you're really good. I appreciate you saying that, my friend. So, Paul, it was great getting to spend some time with you the other day. You played really well this past week at the Mitsubishi Electric Classic. Great final round. How are you feeling about where your game's at? Well, um, you know, I feel pretty good. Um, I, I've played a lot of golf, so I, I, I like where my game's at. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, I'm a little gassed. You know, this is uh, the fourth week in a row for us. So this is a, a, a tough stretch for a bunch of guys over 50 uh, to, to compete four straight weeks. And, and um, you know, Chris, back on the PGA Tour, I missed about half my cuts. And I didn't play very many pro-amps because I wasn't, you know, an elite player for, uh, for most of my time. So toward the end of my career, I, you know, I'd show up on Tuesday. I'd play nine holes in a practice round. I'd have a light Wednesday. I'd play Thursday, Friday. I'd probably miss a cut, well, half the time. And I was home. So two and a half rounds of golf and on the champions tour, um, we play a lot more than that. And there are no cuts. So you're playing for three straight days, plus a couple pro ams. And, and, um, I've played more golf here in the last two and a half years than I probably played in the 10 years prior combined. So, um, safe to say I'm, I'm, uh, a little gassed, but, uh, but I do feel good about the way I'm, I'm hitting it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm thankful for ice baths and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, some medication that, uh, like, uh, anti-inflammatory. <laughs> but, but like I say, great final round, 66 in the final round here. And, and TPC Sugarloaf is no joke of a golf course. The, the undulation changes, the, the elevation changes. It's a, it's a tough little golf course. And to go out there and shoot 66, it's got to build some momentum for you. You got to feel good about that last round. I, I do. I, you know, I played, I played solid all three days and, and, uh, but unfortunately I made some mistakes, uh, the rounds one and two, and I made a triple bogey in the, in the, the, the second round on a, uh, I hit driver pitching wedge. And at one point my ball was about 12, 13, we'll say it was 14 feet from the hole. And, and, uh, 30 seconds later, it was 40 yards back down the fairway and, and, uh, hit that 40 yard shot, uh, about 13 feet too short. And it came, back three yards behind where I was. So 43 yards away. And the next one got, came about 15 feet short, came back uh, about three feet in front of me and it would divot. And um, I got that one on two putted for a smooth triple bogey. And, and uh, those kind of things hurt and you, you can't waste shots uh, on this tour. There's a lot of really good players. So uh, I do feel about good about the way I played. It was nice to, to shoot six under par bogey free on Sunday. And, and um I think I, I just need to clean up mistakes and, and uh, bad shots are going to happen, but uh, you got to be strategic in your bad shots and, and you can't short side yourself and put you in bad spots. And so I, I seemed to have been doing that uh, of late here. Uh, the last couple tournaments, I've made some mistakes and, and uh, but I've also hit a lot of really good shots. And, and uh, so I am encouraged with the way I'm, I'm striking it. And if I can clean up the messes on aisle 10, uh, we might be all right. <laughs> Paul, you have a history of playing well here in Atlanta. Like I mentioned in your intro, one of your wins on the PGA Tour came here in 1996 at the Bell South Classic. Before we talk about that win, you were actually the sixth alternate to get in that week. You come off of winning on the Nike Tour. Now you're a sixth alternate to get into the Bell South. Talk about what it was like just trying to get into that event. Yeah, you know, that that was a... Uh... Uh, that was a fun, a fun stretch of, of my career and, uh, you know, winning uh, on the Nike tour. Um, you know, I missed, uh, I missed every cut on the West coast in 96 and, and then went to new Orleans or went to the Honda, missed the cut. 
and showed up in New Orleans and uh, finally made a cut. Uh, the next week, I was not in the Players Championship um, as a Q school guy. So I went down and played on the Nike Tour in Lafayette and, and happened to win that thing. So winning there, being six alternate the next week, uh, I had met some good friends in Atlanta uh, who became good friends uh, in Atlanta. So we decided to, to bypass going to Tallahassee on the Nike Tour. Uh, and going over to Atlanta and, and just seeing if I could get in, right? And um, we uh, finally got the call on that Wednesday that that uh, one of the players had pulled out Steve Hart, and and uh, I jumped into his spot, and yeah, just kept the the you know the good times were rolling at that time, and and uh, made a lot of putts and and beat Chamblee in a playoff. So uh, it, you know. Golf is weird. Uh, professional golf is hard. Golf is hard. Um, and to get to this level, I, I'm so grateful. Uh, and and uh, to go from missing all those cuts, Chris, um, not making a dime through January, February, and early March um, can be a little bit stressful. But, you know, I just tried to take away from each week a little something. And it uh, seemed like I was encouraged every week, even though I was missing cuts by a shot or two. Uh, I seem to miss uh, to leave the week going, okay, well, maybe this week my driving was a little bit better. My iron play got a little bit better or you know, you know my short game is pretty good. So I, I didn't leave discouraged. I was encouraged. And I think that that's a, uh, that's a great mindset to have. Um, it's not something that you can just turn on though. I, I'm, I'm just grateful that, that that was my disposition, if you will, um, during that stretch. And, and, uh, uh, but that being said, you know, I, I didn't see a win on the Nike Tour coming uh, the week in Lafayette, and I for sure didn't see a win on the PGA Tour, uh, my first ever. Uh, but when it happened, it was it was like, uh, well, I mean, it was just a, a shock, really. You know, like, okay, wow, this is what I dreamed of doing my whole life. And, and uh, I got to do it, and that opened up a ton of doors over my career. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sitting here at 53 years old playing the, the PGA Tour champions. Um, Really, I, I look back to that week in, in Atlanta at the Bell South at Atlanta Country Club and think, well, that that was the springboard to, you know, playing after 50. So you talk about a shock. I mean, in the span of two weeks, you went on the Nike Tour, you went on the PGA Tour, and then you wake up Monday morning following the win at here in Atlanta. You're headed across the state and driving up Magnolia Lane. Talk about a shock to your system. That had to be unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Uh, there's no doubt. You know, as a kid growing up in Southern California, um, you know, that was a dream, right? To to get to the Masters and, and uh, you know, I used to watch it on TV and and it all just happened so fast. And, and literally, you're right. I, I finished my round on Saturday. I went, drove over to the Mason house. Uh, we ordered some pizzas. I did my laundry and uh, woke up Monday morning and my wife and I took off down I-20 and and up Washington and pulled into Augusta National. And, and I'm thinking, like, what on earth is going on here? You know, eight days before I was trying to win a tournament, and lo and behold, here I'm at Augusta playing in the biggest stage with a two-week winning streak. I mean, like, that was pretty crazy. And and uh, it took me five days to 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 bow out and miss a cut by a handful and, and uh, was down the road. But uh, thankfully, I got to go back a couple more times and um, it's just fun to get to play a little boy's game, Chris. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm still doing it at 53 years old. It's, you know, I hit a ball and, uh, it's pretty crazy. So, but I got to ask you, 
when you when you get over there to Washington Road and you, and you make the turn onto Magnolia Lane, what was that like? I mean, I, how are you how are you processing? Like, where the heck am I? How did I get here? And now I'm I'm driving up Magnolia Lane. I mean, if it were me, I, I would have been doing a you know I would have been idling up Magnolia Lane. They would have had to force me to get off of it. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's so funny. It's is uh it that stuff just happened so fast right you know i even when i got my card in the fall of 93 i um i'm at q school and i'm hoping to to maybe play the nike tour the next year to move up from the golden state tour i thought okay well i'm, I'm here at the finals i'm going to get to play on the nike tour next year and, and um i played good enough to get my pga tour card and it was like oh my gosh i'm 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 going to the show right I, this is this is real and um but every week happens so fast and it is fast as it gets there, it's gone. Um, and so, and then all of a sudden you're driving down the next driveway to the next tournament. Right. And, and it, it just happens. And every week the circus moves from one city to the next. And, and uh, that week it just so happened to go from Atlanta to Augusta. And yeah, the, the feeling there again, going from the guard gate uh, up past the clubhouse and into the parking lot, you know, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where do I go? And it's uh, while it was, I was awestruck for a moment. Um, it's it was one of those things that I felt like I was. If if I try to to run on about a four, one out of ten scale, ten being like Mike Singletary, uh, one being a uh, you know a chess player, I try to run on about four, right? As a golfer, that week I was probably on about eight, um, and just running high, trying to soak it all in. Um, and and yet not even being able to soak it all in, Chris. I mean, it's it's uh, there, there's so much going on. Uh, I actually had a kink in my neck, so I couldn't even play practice rounds. I, I walked them for a couple of days and and uh, you know hit a bunch of pots and, and chips and tried to learn the golf course as best I could without hitting shots. Um, but you know that is the one event uh, in my mind. It's one event. Obviously, it's the same venue every year, Augusta National, and. Um, uh, it, it was dreamy. You know, I, I, my, my mom and dad, uh, made the drive from Fort Myers, uh, over to watch and, and, you know, my dad was blown away and my mom was blown away. So, um, I mean, it was, it was such a big deal. I, I and, but yet it just, I got there Monday and, and I was driving back down Magnolia Lane on Friday, uh, uh with a missed cut and, uh, you know, a little, uh, commemorative glass with some sand that I stole out of a bunker and, <laughs> Um, and that, and that was that, you know, I'm like, okay, now, uh, you know, back home and then what's next. And so, um, it's one of those things that you looking back at it, I'm so thankful in 97, I had a good year and, and, um, it was, you know, one putt away on 18 from getting to play with Tiger Woods on Sunday, uh, when he ended up winning by 12 and, and, uh, making history, but they keep replaying that thing every single year, you know, probably 10 or 15 times a year. So I, I, I get to watch it every year. So I can't forget that one. And um, <laughs> it, it's, it still is pretty neat to think back, um, you know, that, that dream that that little kid had, uh, while it still seems like a dream that I actually got to live, um, it was reality. And, and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was a long time ago. So I got to ask you because there's, Lots of stories of fans trying to steal sand out of a bunker at Augusta National. Um, how did you do it and where is it? Well, so um, I missed the cut, signed my card, went into the uh, merchandise uh, in the clubhouse, right, and, and, and bought some swag. 
And one of the things I bought was a little commemorative glass uh, that had, you know, the Augusta logo on the front, 1996. And on the back, it had all the winners prior to uh, 96. And so I thought, well, this would be kind of cool just to have this, you know, as a memento. Um, and I had made an eagle one day uh, that year as well. So, but at the time, I didn't even know I was getting crystal. <laughs> I didn't know all the little, the little uh, ins and outs. But so I left with that glass. And as we were pulling out, we drove past the short game area and I, I was in the passenger seat and I said, I told my wife to stop and I jumped out and, and, uh, ran across the the deal. And, um, uh, I had a, just a, a paper cup as well. And I just scooped up some sand from the practice bunker and then ran back to my car. I said, let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and we, and we got out of there. So, uh, I did, I did indeed steal it. Um, when I got home, um, we uh it, it's sitting in my office at home um uh, still with the the sand in the glass uh i put the the ball it was a uh a top flight strat no z balada uh that i birdied the last hole i birdied 18 on on friday and uh i put that ball and my little pin i was number i think i was 76 that year that they give you a little pin a lapel pin and so that's sitting in my office up on the shelf uh by some pictures and and um it's been there since 1996. Pretty wow. crazy. That's awesome. Paul, I read that in 1999, you were a Callaway guy, but you slipped some pink clubs in your bag. Is that a true story? And if so, which pink clubs did you throw in there? Yeah, that uh, that was. So I was a pink guy when I got on the tour, uh, 94, 5, 6, and 7. Um, and in I, I left ping in 90, after 97, to start a 98 season to go to Callaway. And, and uh, <clears throat> that was 99, huh? I, I couldn't remember what year it was. But yeah, I was playing Colonial. And uh, I was paired with Corey Pavin and somebody else uh, the first two days. And and um, I was in a rut and wasn't playing well, uh, struggling. And so I shot another... Colonial used to kick my butt anyway, but I probably shot another smooth 75. And I was on my way to missing a cut. And so I woke up Friday morning and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put my old clubs back in the bag and just see if it's the clubs. I wanted to rule out, is it the arrows <laughs> or is it me? Right. <laughs> and, um, and so I, uh, I put the pings in the bag and, and I thought, all right, let's just, let's just see, right. They were my, the pings that I won with. And, and you know, um, well, unfortunately, um, Corey Pavin happened to be leading the tournament and the third guy in our group withdrew. So it was just me and Corey. And Corey was leading and I was probably eight over par or something like that. And um, I believe it was Doug Ferguson um, was falling around. And he noticed that in the in a Callaway bag, there were pink clubs. And and he wrote a pretty crappy uh, article, honestly. And, and if Doug, if you're listening, you, you, you know, it was crappy. But because um, <laughs> he, he he used the words, he snuck his, these pings in his in his bag, you know, kind of like that. And I thought, you know what? Um, I didn't sneak anything in, you know, Callaway was well aware of the fact that I was struggling and I just got to the point where I'm like, I need to rule something out here. And so, um, that's what I did. And, you know, I guess I got caught, if you will, Doug Ferguson caught me. Um, but, uh, and that was the deal. And, and I, there again, after that week, I realized, nope, it's not the arrows, it's me. And, um, and I, I didn't play very well, uh, even with my old clubs and, and, uh, and that was that. So, um, you know that that's the uh, that's the backstory uh, to that, and and uh, I do believe that happens all the time when guys uh, change equipment. And 
you know, if, if uh, any, any young golfers out there are listening, I, I would highly encourage you to play whatever you can play the best with. Don't worry about the money that they pay you uh, because there's, there's a heck of a lot of money you can play. You, you can play for a long time with clubs that you really like um, versus, you know, taking a deal. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could go back to that point in my career and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick it out with, with, with ping, but, um, but I didn't. And, uh, at that point, you know, I look back at my career, Chris, and I never won again, uh, which is pretty funny. So was it the pings, um, or was it me? I don't know, but, um, I'm sure it's probably a good combination of both, but, uh, uh, yeah, that was, that was a, um, uh, I don't want to say it was a low light. Um, but I, I just, I just, you know, it's, uh, I'm a guy, I was a guy struggling and, and, uh, wanted to, to rule out and, uh, yeah, I checked the box. I realized, okay, it is it is me. Let's go figure this thing out, and and uh, and I think I did okay the rest of the year. So let's take that a, a step further, though, and, and the idea of changing equipment and and chasing the money, because I think we have seen several players, and you mentioned Corey Pavin. I think he might be one of them that made a made an equipment change, and it seemed like that was the beginning of of a downfall for for or a slump for for many many years. Talk about what it's like to, you know, is when someone comes to you with a big check, you know, in their back pocket to, to switch equipment, how big a deal it is to make that switch? You know, it's, uh, well, it depends on how much that, that paycheck is. <laughs> you know, some, you know, there are some amounts that you're like, yeah, that's not enough. I'm, I'm going to stick it out. But then sometimes you look at it and, and you're going, man, I, I got to change. It's just golf clubs. I could figure this thing out, right? Um and I'm telling you, you could go through, if you went over the last 25 years, there, there, there are a hundred guys that made a change and they regretted it, or it took them a long time to figure it out. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's a tough deal, but it, as you know, in this, in this game of golf, you know, there are no guarantees, right? Um, we, we just saw this, this new tour explode and, and it exploded because, you know, the, the bottomless pit of money that, that was thrown at these guys to go, to go leave the PGA tour and go play live golf. Um, they didn't go play live golf because they thought it was going to be an awesome tour. They left because they got paid a boatload of money. Right. And so that's the facts. And, um, and that's, it's, that's happened from the beginning of time. Um, any sport, you know, a, a guy doesn't leave the Dodgers to go play for the giants unless they go pay him more. <laughs> it's always about the money dollar. And, um, you know, I, and so, you know, in, in the game, but unfortunately with golf, uh, there are no contracts, uh, year to year with the PGA tour. There might be contracts with your equipment companies. Um, but the PGA tour says you got to come and play and you got to perform. And if you don't, you're, there's the door. And, uh, so you, you better darn well know, uh, that you can play that equipment, uh, before you, you switch uh, for the cash. And uh, there's a lot of guys um, that have done it. And uh, I'll, I'll use the term regretted it um, because they couldn't figure it out. And there's some guys, like you say, that, that did figure it out. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't even want to name names, but there's plenty of players that would, they switch balls. And then <laughs> lo and behold, they're like, this pink thing doesn't work very good. And, and then they, they go back and they play good again. So not all equipment is good for everybody, right? All equipment yeah. might be good, but you know what you play, you may love, and I hit it, and, it, and it's terrible. So um, it's a big business out here. But like I say, we are a performance based business, and 
and uh, taking taking the big check to to switch equipment uh, might sound really good right now, but when you're scratching and clawing to keep your card the next year, and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, I might just lose my job now," um, you know what you got paid probably wasn't big enough to to last for the next fifteen years of your life. So uh, it's better to, to to stick with what you got um, and go make your money on the course. Um, you know that's that's my uh, that's my theory. Well, one more before I let you go, and you guys are now looking at. Back-to-back majors. You got a, a week off sandwiched in between, but you you guys out on the Champions Tour, you've got a major this week. You're off, then you're right back into another major. And golf, as you've talked about, is is a, is a physical grind. But then when you add majors to it in back-to-back weeks, it becomes also a mental grind. How do you feel about the, how this thing is scheduled out? Yeah, you know, the uh, well, the good thing is we have a week off between the two. So there can be a little decompression. Um, uh, which is nice. I'm sure on the, on the heels of four weeks in a row, uh, I'm not sure how many of the guys played all four, uh, you know, probably say 75, 80% of us have. Um, and so, and this is a four round tournament, um, as well. So, and it's a walking, walking tournament here, uh, the majors are. So, um, they're not going to have the, the, the benefit of the buggy this week and they gotta, they gotta, you know, play four days, have a week off, you know, go do some PT and, and ice baths. And then we hit right back up over in the, in the Dallas area at Fields Ranch on a really, uh, this is going to be a good test um, in a couple of weeks at the PGA, the senior PGA. But uh, I, I like the schedule. We also have a run here in the summertime where we play, I think, I think we might play three straight majors, but with weeks off in between with the players and the, the U.S. Open and the, and the senior British. But um you know, this is the, this is the stretch. You know, you you, you want to play good uh, in major championships, and, um, and uh, here's our chance. Paul, before I let you go, remind our listeners how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing out there, and follow you on social media. Well, on social, I'm uh, I'm just at Paul Stankowski on Twitter. I'm at Paul Stankowski on uh, Instagram. Uh, probably the same on Facebook, I guess. Uh, I've taken a little uh, a little break from from. Uh, Social media uh, engaging. I'm, I still have the accounts. I just have, I took them off my phone just for a minute. Um, and uh, but yeah, that's it. I'm you know uh, I used to have a, a belt business that I ran and I did broadcasting. And right now I'm pretty much just a golfer. Although I will broadcast the uh, the PGA next week. Uh, uh, over Is that right? Hill. That that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'll be doing that on ESPN Plus. Um, one of the feature group coverage, and so that'll be fun uh, to get back on the microphone for. Uh, for a few days and I work in the morning and then in the afternoon, I'll be out there grinding away on the golf course. So uh, next week will be a, a full week for me, but uh, I'm looking forward to that and then looking forward to getting back to the real work. Well, I'm excited to hear that you're going to be broadcasting from the PGA. That'll make the uh, the broadcast that much better. I look forward to not only following you this week, but hearing you the week after that and then back to following you uh, two weeks from now or three weeks from now. So that's, that's exciting stuff. And you're, you're absolutely one of my favorite people on the planet. I can't thank you so much for not only spending time with me tonight. You were you were gracious to spend some time uh, Sunday morning on the on the golf show that uh, that I uh, co-host on ESPN Radio. Thank you for both of those things, and thank you for a wonderful half an hour getting to spend some time walking with you out of TPC Sugarloaf. Huge thrills, all of it. Well, I always appreciate uh, being on your show, Chris, and it was great to see you in person and. And uh, keep up the good work, buddy. I appreciate it. You too. Take care, Paul. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. 
And likewise. Thanks, Chris. See you, Paul. That is the great Paul Stankowski, folks, and a finer human being you will not find on this planet. He is uh, just uh, uh, as friendly and as engaging and as personable as you would want somebody that's out on the, the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour champions to be. He's a great guy. He has, he's, he way undersells himself. He's a tremendous player. And we didn't actually get into this. But when you think about where he was, when he left the PGA Tour, he was done. He wasn't going to play anymore. He, he took, took some years off, did some things at home, and uh, decided that uh, he wanted to give it one last, one last run. And then he started Monday qualifying. And he goes from being a Monday qualifier to a guy that's finishing in the top five or 10. That's, uh, that's just a, a tremendous accomplishment. And, and like I say, when you, when you think about the person who Paul, uh, Paul Stankowski is, it just makes it all the better. And I can't thank him enough for being generous with this time and coming back on the show. And, uh, I look forward to catching up with him hopefully a little bit later on this summer. <laughs> 